0: beloved church of god beginning our service before the lord let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope may the resurrection of christ reign in our bodies let us bow our heads in prayer heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to your holy name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name.
1: And so allow
0: your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses poverty premature death demonic dependencies all forms of fears depression destruction covetousness ignorance all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and so stand Lord in a place of your rest you in the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present the service into your divine arms, guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
1: So those of
2: you who have your bibles please open up with me a familiar place of scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches and knowledge of God that we every time learn the deeper and the greater Matthew 5:45 and 48 that you may be sons of your father in heaven For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. That you may be. This was the first verb, the first word that resounded and brought forth the visible from the invisible when God said let there be light that very same formula the very same name of God is used here that you may be sons of your father in heaven because that you may be is one of the name, names of God let this is the God's word, God's redemption. Genesis, one that creates a Genesis, one that governs or oversees a Genesis. This is let, and let there be, that there may be, because it comes from the word to be, our life. And this promise contained in the commandment, is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this command of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and will probably never be able to have it because the church that has not been formed of students is a synagogue of Satan, relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets in which we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4:13. We have noted that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent together with the person who represents a Father of God to us. In what way that is the faith of God? Faith of God is God's preached word. This is information that comes from the mouth of God, spoken by God's delegated ones. Our faith is obedience to that word. Considering the significance of the revelation that we have begun to look at in the previous service, today I intend to leave in parenthesis the format of the root system from which the path of righteousness flows in the heart of a man, which reveals itself in the heart of a man in the meaning of the paths of righteousness and is its calling. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on you will catch men, Luke 5.10. We've noted that before becoming a fisher of men or a light to the world, because Christ intended us to uh, catch people as a fisherman by light, the scriptures say that it's not as a bell say that will call, people to God but you need to be a light you need to be a light that will draw people and when we, when you are a light to the world then we will be able to catch first ourselves upon the paths of righteousness and the nets of righteousness because we are called with our confessions to first of all catch ourselves when we have caught ourselves then we become a light and when we, we become a light then this light is a net then By itself, then, this light is a net. You don't need to go anywhere. They will come to you. People will come to the light. People that see, those that are blind will not. The blind will follow the blind. Therefore, we need to know that our calling upon the path of righteousness in the meaning of the nets of righteousness is the achieving of our salvation. To catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness means by faith or by obeying the truth, receive your redemption in the re- salvation of God for yourself and for your household in justification, which is given to us freely because of the grace of God in Christ our Christ our Lord. And then confess this justification with your mouth as the faith of your heart in order to affirm or confirm it. Specifically, our words were we affirm or confirm the faith of our heart are the nets of righteousness upon the path of righteousness. Specifically, the words that we confirm we confirm the faith of our heart are the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness. The format of justification where we have caught ourselves is a guarantee in the seed of our salvation, which we are called to turn to profit so that the promise in the seed of righteousness would bring us the fruit of righteousness in the format of the stronghold of life. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here it's talking about resurrection. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10.9.10 People are saved not by the death of Christ or the truth of the death, but the truth of resurrection, which is a result of death. When you focus upon the death of Christ, (coughs) separating it from resurrection, nothing will work out. In other words, we are called to become fishermen, casting our nets to catch such fish, that would be able to be not men, but rather the oath promises of God that are for saving our soul. Just as Christ's, Christ had said, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew sixteen twenty six. And so the fact that you will draw the whole world to Christ, if it would have been possible... This will not be the price of your of the salvation of your soul. You will perish if you place a goal of evangelism or and saving of other souls for yourself, God wanted a person to take care of his soul, and when he begins to care for his soul to and makes him a, makes it a light for the world, this light then becomes a net for the whole world. And so to be a fisher of men it is first necessary to become fishers of the oath promises of God containing main goals that are placed for us by God which consist of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. In order to receive such promises into your heart as an element of the faith of God it is necessary to die for your nation, the house of your father and for your destructive desires that we being intrigued by the spirit of deception, have received when performing the work of personal evangelism and personal good work. And we wear then as our own robe of righteousness, and we think because we did this good work, God will allow us into heaven. But God will say, you actually placed barriers to my way to the light and not being a light yourself you dared to preach my gospel The light is God's gospel, God's word. We have noted that in the allegories and proverbs of scripture, the symbol of the paths of righteousness is a stream of living water that flows from under the threshold of the temple to the east where there is a multitude of fish presented in the form of a multitude of different promises. A symbol of the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness is the confession of the faith of the heart into which we are called to catch the promises that are linked to the door of our hope, in order to provide God proper basis to adopt our body with the with his redemption. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. Ezekiel 47.1. This is an incredible vision that Prophet Ezekiel saw, and it is written in a couple of chapters. It, And so there's a couple of chapters dedicated to the vision. He describes the temple that in no way is able to be physically built, so to say. There's no way to physically build such a thing. He was describing the temple of our body in which the Lord needs to be. In order to learn the sequence of things that happen in the temple, which were shown to prophet Ezekiel, it is necessary for us to first find ourselves in the temple of the body of Christ in order to have the legitimate right to study the sequence of these things in the temple of our body. Only upon the condition of being an organic member of the body of Christ, we become a temple of God. And in order for us to find the resurrection of Christ within our body and the form of the stronghold of life, we first need to obtain Christ and find ourselves in Him or discover ourselves in Him. Not with our own personal righteousness that is from the law but with the one that is by faith in christ with righteousness from god by faith in this situation we're talking about the measure of our dedication to the goal that is placed for us by god which consists of obtaining christ and finding ourselves in him which upon practice means to enthrone the resurrection of christ within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of christ this is christ in us and us in christ before Prophet Ezekiel was brought to the back to the door of the temple which faced east, he needed to see the experience, see and experience a specific nature of offering of a sacrifice. Now he brought me through the entrance which was at the side of the gate into the holy chambers of the priests which faced toward the north, and there a place was situated at their extreme western end and he said to me this is the place where the priests shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the grain offering so that they do not bring them out into the outer court to sanctify the people. And so in the temple of Solomon and in the tabernacle there was no such court but here there is a court only for the priests where they bake breads and they boil the offering in bronze pots for the crimes for the sins and trespasses of the people. Then he brought me out into the outer court and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court and in fact in every corner of the court there was another court. In the four corners of the court were enclosed courts, 40 cubits long and 30 wide. All four corners were the same size. There was a row of building stones all around them, all around the four of them, and cooking hearths were made under the rows of stones all around. And he said to me, These are the kitchens where the ministers of the temple shall boil the sacrifice of the people. And so the people may be sanctified. Ezekiel 46, 19 through 24. In the studied by his vision about the temple, we see a concealed process of casting off of the old man with his deeds, the process of renewing of our mind with the spirit of our mind, and the process of enthroning within our body of the new person and being clothed into this new person. And he says, he took me back to the door of the temple before bringing you to... The resurrection he brought him by the way of the cross. And now we will look at the purpose of the entryway at the side of the gate that faces the north that leads to one place to the west. This is a symbol of our sanctification by the power of the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ, which pursues dedication necessary for adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Before redeeming the body, by Christ's redemption, we need to dedicate our body, and this dedication is in the root, in these pots that a person boils the meat and eats it himself. Usually all of the offerings that were upon the fire were either fully burnt for the Lord, or were burned, parts of it was burned. And part was given to the priest and part to the person. But here the entire offering is boiled for man. First for the priests, they boil for themselves, for the trespasses, and then for the entire nation. And it's a surprising offering. And so now let's look at this north. Uh, North is a symbol of making a covenant with God in our submerging by us submerging by baptism into the death of Jesus Christ. This was in the temple in the holy place. This is the twelve showbreads upon the golden table. Six uh, uh, breads in each row. And there was also the lamp that uh, showed, uh, pretty much provided the light in order to see these uh, showbreads. And this is the renewed mind. Christ became the bread, the bread of life, when he died for us and resurrected. The entryway at the side of the gate facing north that leads to one place to the west, is a symbol of our sanctification by the power of the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ, which pursues dedication necessary for the adopting of our body by the redemption of Christ. West, there's one place to the west. He leads by the side and leads him to one place to the west. Is This is a symbol of the end of the age which comes right before the morning of the rule of the resurrection of Christ within our body. And, of course, the enthroning of Christ in our body. Therefore, the place at the extreme western end is the symbol of the preparation and erection of the stronghold of life within our body or the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Extreme western end of the holy chamber within the temple of our body, where the servants of the temple boil in bronze cooking pots, the offering for sin and trespasses is the symbol of the process of purification of our conscience from dead works. Or the casting off of the old person with his deeds, this is practically the same thing. When we're talking about cleansing of our conscience from dead works, we're talking about the casting off of our old person with his deeds. While the old person will not be cast off, the conscience cannot be cleansed. The bronze cooking pot in which the offering meat was, was boiled for the sin and trespasses of the nation is the symbol of our ability to evaluate our abiding in the death of the Lord Jesus, where we consider ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. This is the boiling in the bronze pot. Bronze is a symbol of judgment when we judge ourselves. We say, Lord, I thank you that... I have died for my old person. I've died for the world. I died for the house of my father. I died for the destructive desires of my soul. I thank you for the stronghold of life within my body. It may not yet exist, but I consider myself this way, and this is to boil this meat until a specific time, to boil, and then you'll need to eat it four corners of the court of the outer courtyard within the temple of our body, whose walls contain cooking hearths upon which the servants of the temple boiled in bronze cooking pots, the offering for the nation. This is a symbol of the process of the renewing of our mind by the spirit of our mind. The priests, they represent, they symbolize the spirit, they go into this outer courtyard and there are the enclosed courts and there they boil the offering for the nation and here it's talking about where they boil them the four enclosed courts in the four corners of the outer courtyard there were the cooking hearts again this is our spirit that has received the truth in what way to do this this is these are the servants of our temple Those the truth that we receive and we are obedient to it are those uh, caregivers and servants in the temple that prepare us for the erection of the, str- of the stronghold of life in our body and here they do what? These four uh, corners this is the process of the renewing of our mind by the spirit of our mind first we need to renew our mind and only after the renewance of our mind we need to then return to the door where the flowing of water is in order to be clothed into the resurrection of Christ The four enclosed courts within the four corners of the outer courtyard, 40 cubits long and 30 cubits wide, is a symbol of a person who has grown into full measure of growth in Christ, clothed with the power of a king and a priest. The four enclosed courts in the four corners of the outer courtyard is a symbol of the truth that we confess with our mouth in the format of the elementary teaching of Christ that is imprinted upon the two tablets of our heart. The teaching of the baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The four enclosed courts in the four corners of the outer courtyard. They represent the four rivers that flow from Eden. And that water, are Eden, the place of our communication with God. The enclosure of the four courts within our heart is a symbol of the blood of the Most High and the shadow of the Almighty, identifying the order of theocracy in which the body of Christ functions. The measurement of then closed court, 40 cubits long and 30 cubits wide, is a symbol of a person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ, satisfying the demands of total dedication and keeping the requirement of total sanctification this is a quite important necessary to pay attention to and vital process presenting the measurements of the four enclosed courts existing within the four corners of the outer courtyard and so our process it will uh, will be literally affected, the renewing of our mind by the spirit of our mind, <clears throat> the process of enthroning within our body of our new person, while simultaneously clothing our body into its new person, whose foundation will be the stronghold of eternal life that is erected within our body by the resurrection of Christ. The measurement of the enclosed court, thirty cubits wide, is a symbol of a person that has come into full measure of fullness of growth in Christ, satisfying the demands of total dedication, keeping the requirement of total sanctification, which gave a person the right and power to approach God in the status of a legitimate median. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years, Second Samuel five four. You see this enclosed court, 30 cubits wide, 40 long, 30 when he became king, and 40 he reigned. Not all kings became kings at at 30 years old. Some at 16 years, some 40, depends on when. David became king at 30 years old. Because 30 years also uh, symbolizes the virtue of a priest. A priest can only become a priest when he's 30 years old. David was a king, a priest, and a prophet. And Christ, who came... As the son of David, from his root, being his root and his offspring, Jesus, beginning his service, was also 30 years old. Luke 3.23. And so the measurement of the enclosed courtyard, 40 cubits long, identified the power and the right of total dedication, to serve God whose guard is holiness of total sanctification. For example, in order to separate Noah from, and his sons from the unclean and lawless men that were on the earth, here we're talking about how the offering is boiled in the pot, in the bronze pot, and how long it needs to be boiling to be able to remove all the chaff of the flesh from us. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and three wives of, the, of his sons, with them in, in, entered the ark. Genesis 7, 11 through 13. In order for God to separate the sons of Israel from the other nations, Moses was upon the mountain three times for forty days and forty nights, and he did not eat or drink. When I went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of the stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you when I stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights, I neither ate nor ate bread nor drank water, and it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights <clears throat> that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone the tablets of the covenant and I looked and behold you had sinned against the Lord your God had made for yourselves a molded calf then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes and I fell down before the Lord as of the first forty days and forty nights and neither ate Bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the of the, of the Lord, provoking Him to anger. The Lord listened to me at the at the time also. Deuteronomy nine, nine through nineteen. So 40, 4 months as a whole. So hundred and twenty days, forty days, forty nights. He fasted and did not eat. One after the next. Four months, not eating or drinking. Here it's talking about what 40 means. This is a service, this is a process where cleansing happens, where finally God receives us in the new tablets of the covenant. Prophet Elijah walked 40 days and 40 nights to God's mountain, Hareb, and this was to confirm his dedication to God and his service where he separated himself from the sons of Israel who abandoned the Lord and broke his altars and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said arise and eat because the journey is too great for you so he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of the food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb the mountain of God And so 40 cubits long, 30 cubits wide is talking about the service and sanctification. In order to uh, try Christ and his dedication to God and to weigh him upon the skills of justice, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil where 40 days and 40 nights in fasting, Jesus was completely victorious over the devil. The Lord will lead us in Christ, together with Christ, into the wilderness to be tried by the devil. Wilderness is a symbol of sanctification. During the time of sanctification, when a person is being sanctified, the devil especially tries to uh, tempt him. When he's not being sanctified, he has no need uh, to do this, but when a person makes a decision to part from his character, part from his nation, part with the house of his father, and begins to uh, do the work of sanctification, then the devil will attack from every side. Uh, using people of the flesh, using lawless people, unclean people, using the personal flesh, what, using whatever your family against you, your husband, your your wife against you, your children, whatever whatever He can, with one goal. God allows this to separate from us all of this chaff and uncleanness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards He was hungry. And then the tempter came to Him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If God is with you, then why are you in this situation? He's saying, that doesn't mean we need to fast 40 days and 40 nights, but you will begin to experience an unusual hunger and thirst. And you will wonder why, and the devil will say, well, if you're a child of God, then why are you not able to take the Psalms, take open the Bible and read and God will reveal to you here's what it's talking about but Jesus said but he answered and said it was written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God the heard word not what you will be reading but what you will listen to many holy people attempting to be sanctified uh focus at, on reading the Bible uh, and pretty much putting away the listening of the word they make the decision just to read and when they come to church their understanding then is not in course corresponding to what is being preached and they begin to say, well I don't agree with this I have my own head. Jesus said a person can live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The heard word, it needs to come from the mouth. But all of the words that come out of the mouth of God, we don't hear them directly from God's mouth because God has made His mouth His people. Not everyone in general, but those people whom He has made a Father that have the seed and the waters who preached that same seed in the spirit. Those are the ones he made his mouth. And then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, When you are being sanctified, the time of sanctification, God will prompt you to uh, things that are as if uh, part of your faith. Begin and start acting, and a person begins acting. He takes what truly belongs to him, but the time has not come, as Moses did. The time had not yet come, but he already stood up because God's promise was on him and he knew that he needed to somehow save the Israelite nation from Egyptian slavery and he began but in his own way, see what his ways were, he not having any uh, power just an understanding that God gave him this calling, not seeing yet in this calling the required things that he needed he begins with his own hands he sees one uh, a Jew with an Egyptian were uh, uh, the Egyptian was uh, hating the the Jew and he killed that Egyptian and then he saw two Jews arguing and he tried to intervene and they were asking who are you do you want to kill me like you did the Egyptian earlier and so he out of fear of this he runs away and 40 years he is living with the priest of Midian marrying his daughter and only after 40 years bringing his flock to uh, the mountain of of Horeb Why didn't he lead it there before? Forty years he needed to to be sanctified. And then God spoke to him, and God gave him power, and he returned to Egypt with this power. And when he returned with this power, he was not afraid of the Pharaoh or Egypt, all of Egypt, he put under the threshing wheel. And the day of Exodus, That day, they took everything from Egypt, all of their wealth. That's what happened. But he says, say ahead of time, you, Jesus told him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When you begin to, before time, uh, do things, you tempt God. You say, Lord, you gave me this calling, I'm going to fulfill it. Wait. Apostle Paul, Saul also had a calling. The prophet who had healed him from blindness told him that God had chosen him as his vessel to preach the word to the Gentiles. But Apostle Paul at the time was not yet Apostle Paul for 10 years he was in Antioch in the church and he was a part of those that were uh, head pretty much considered the head of the church they were prophets and teachers and they didn't go anywhere or he didn't go anywhere until God being prompted by the Holy God prompted the Holy Spirit to tell their leader uh, to separate Saul and Barnabas for service and they prayed over them and three days they fasted and gave them money and silver in their pockets so that they can go on their way and then God began to do his work properly it didn't happen immediately and so when we again attempt to go ahead and do something before it's time we tempt God Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he, and he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you, you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, an angel came and ministered to him. Christ overcame with the written word that he heard here when the devil put him upon a high mountain, he showed him, he says you have power. uh, Bow down to me and I will give you this whole world. To bow down to the devil is to make the money your master that is to preach that God wants us to be rich and to rule the world. You can't rule the world without money. And so you need to take all the banks of the world, take control of them, take control of the government. And so this false charismatic services, you hear how they <coughs> uh, 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 climb to the top of the roofs uh, of, of government buildings and begin to rebuke demons from those places. Imagine people... Uh, doing this, those that call themselves Pentecostal, or uh, Orthodox, or, or other services, how they stand, uh, and do this, and of course these uh, these are then considered sects. <coughs> Orth- Orthodox uh, denominations and all, a lot, all mostly other denominations are sects because they. Uh, only consider themselves as the right one to not be in these sects you need to come out from these uh, denominations to be out of them not dependent from your denomination otherwise God will not give you anything because every denomination says we are the one that's right we are the ones that glorify God we are Pentecostal Uh, we are spiritual we are Baptists We have made a covenant with God. We study the scriptures. You're basing everything upon prophecies, but we upon the word of God. And everyone everyone has their own angle from which they uh, look and consider to be correct. We believe in the second coming. Their goal uh, of their services is waiting for the... Uh, the uh, Seventh-day Adventist as the second coming of Christ. Ask uh, a person that is orthodox, a true, sincere one, are you waiting for Christ? If you ask one that is in a Pentecostal denomination, a Catholic person, are you waiting for Christ? And he'll say, yes, the second coming. Do you not separate yourself from the unity of faith? Then you're a Catholic. Are you baptized in the name of Jesus? Yes. Then you're a Baptist also. Do you speak in tongues? Have you received baptism? Then yes, you're a Pentecost of the Pentecostal faith. So if you take all of this together, amongst the Catholic people, among, amongst the Orthodox people, I've met people that are born from God and baptiz- baptized and speaking in tongues. But they continue to be there. These were monks as well as priests that understand that the temple that is filled with icons are idols. They remained there, but they were of the of they were sincere in their faith. And not understanding these people, this monk not understanding, asked him a question, why don't you leave? And he said, If I leave I won't fulfil my purpose here. I want to lead the people out from this and that's why I preach to them we have our cell groups and in these cell groups we gather, we sing the same psalms that you sing we pray just like you pray on our knees and God baptizes us by the Holy Spirit just as you and I said interesting and suddenly from Moscow Moscow a pair came to us or came here uh, they were from the Pentecostal Uh, faith, as they called, uh, they talked about how they repented. She said that she uh, was told that you need to find the Christian people, they're very humble, They were she was told that if you go to the Orthodox church you will not find God. And so she says, I saw a woman that I, she had a covered head, she looked humble. I came to her and asked her, Can I ask you a question? She said, Yes. Are you Christian? She said, Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you are you going to church? She said yes. Can I go with you? She said, Yes. And so I went with her. And she brings me to the Orthodox. Church, I became uncomfortable. I didn't say anything. I came in with her. She stood, she began to pray, uh, and she was praying in some other language, uh, she says. And Uh, I was looking at all of the statues that were there and she opened her eyes and asked me why are you looking at all these statues why are you looking at all these idols around us and so she ultimately repented and she came here and she received baptism and speaking in tongues and they became then familiar with the uh... Pentecostal church but she repented in the Orthodox church there are such churches that you can't repent and can't receive Christ sincerely because they preach a Christ that as a monkey is just hopping around the stage uh, throwing the Bible left and right imagine they gave Christ a scroll of prophet Isaiah and he reads it and then just would throw it uh, swing it from one side to another, and I see this often the, in this charismatic service as they do, where they, with uh, disrespect, take it uh, by the edge of the Bible. why but are you walking around with, this way with your with the Bible? Uh, to understand the true Christ in such a church, of course, would not be a possibility. And so 40 days, 40 nights we're studying here how Christ in these 40 days and 40 nights was being sanctified and confirmed his sanctification. We need to note again that the vision of the temple that the prophet saw was unique in that the temple of Solomon had only one door into the entry of the temple. This had two gates and From every side and also face toward the east. And we see this uh, in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel, and John on Island Patmos. He also saw this. We see the cherubims that had four faces, and their faces the eagle, the human, the young bull, and the cherubim, and so we see four angles, uh, four different sides, and this is the same. And so the temple, the door of the temple, being toward the east, talks about a uh, uh, reigning or ruling uh, within your body. The symbol of the east, uh, the eastern gate of the temple within our body is our mouth that confesses the faith of our heart. Specifically, these doors, as the Holy Spirit, a guard of our mouth, uh, opens them so that the, the Lord would be able to enter in by our renewed mind, which you have, we have received by the Sacrificing Blood of, of Christ. Assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way The sheepfold is the confession of your mouth. God will enter by the confessions of your mouth. Who will not enter in this format in this way, but climbs up or by some other way or through a window, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And so the thief and robber does not come in, again, by the confessions of our mouth, but through the window. The window is our, our, our eyes and our perception. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and so the thief was was doing what? He's saying, look, look, this is not as you were taught, look. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, for it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Genesis 3.6. And so when people say, look at this person, why are you following this person? Look, this other person is so much better. When she said, I came to the church, If you can imagine, I stand at the door and every person that comes in, I seat them next to me. I'm just bringing forth examples. Uh, When the Lord enters into our body through the door of our mouth and our body becomes His house, then the thief and robber, Uh, using objects of temptation will never be able to come in he comes in only when the Lord is not there when the Lord is there he will not be able to enter through the window the offering that was boiled in the bronze pot is our abiding in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The state gives God the proper basis to destroy the temple within our body and destroy the stronghold of death that he relies on, specifically by the offering of praise. Our mouth, which is the door of of the temple of our body that confesses his faith, we present our members as tools of righteousness which allows God the proper basis to erect within our body the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ and... Uh, reveal himself in us in the resurrection of Christ. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm fifty twenty three. <clears throat> and so the first thing he saw is that under the threshold <clears throat> there was a flow of living water towards the east. And this... Uh, Again, water was flowing uh, toward the east. Everything begins with our mind. (coughs) By the renewed mind. These Tarshish ships, they're the ones that bring our uh, confessions. Here our confessions are formed. The symbol of the threshold of the temple of our body is the symbol of our humility that's demonstrated in the obedience of the preached word spoken by God's uh, person or God's father. This is acknowledging God's authority over ourselves, the person whom God has placed over us. In our heart, we have our priest, and it's a symbol of of the Side of the temple, in the temple of our body, that uh, had these two uh, flows of living water coming from it, is a symbol of the righteousness of our heart. Discovering itself in the principles and judgments of God, the eternal judgment of God. The two flows of living water that flow from under the threshold of the temple is a confession of our mouth, the faith of God that abides within our heart in the form of the Urim and the Thummim, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. These are the two great witnesses that stand before the God of all the earth. The uh, south side of the offering this is a symbol of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. In the Tabernacle of Moses in the Temple of Solomon on the south side, the golden lamp stood, which is a symbol of the mind of Christ in our spirit. And so the uh, south side, which was corresponding to the south, southern gate of our temple, is a symbol of the Tarshish ships in the form of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. And they bring forth these confessions of the faith of God that abide within our heart to the just judgments that we confess, the place to confess uh, the truth that will allow us to meet the Lord in the air. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 39. The second thing that he saw was that the man led him in the inner temple. He brought him in through the eastern side and brought him out uh, the western uh, on the western end. The symbol of the northern gate of the temple in our body is the truth that is in the heart. These are these twelve showbreads that are at the, table, uh, the golden table in the temple that are a sign of the covenant that we have with God because the two rows, one next to the other, is the confirmed co- uh, covenant. When God gave His covenant on Sinai, only after a specific time, a couple of years still needed to pass uh, when Joshua, not Moses, but already Joshua, who would lead the people into the promised uh, land when He would lead them through the Jordan. And upon the two mountains, they confirm this covenant. Any covenant that is not confirmed will lose its power. Any promise that is not confirmed will lose its power. Salvation that is not confirmed will lose its power. It is written, You shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant." And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offering of the Lord made by fire, by a perpetual statute. The symbol of the pure table that is made of pure gold is a symbol of a conscience cleansed from dead works, or a person that has cast off from himself the old man with his deeds, <coughs> and has renewed his mind by the spirit of his mind and the twelve breads upon the table of showbreads is a symbol of the elementary principles of Christ that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart and is confirmed the measure that's a uh, two-tenth tenth of an ephah is a symbol of holiness this is the urim and thummim in the heart of a man because ten is a number of holiness two tenths of an e- ephah and so, it, this holiness is made stronger. You may say 20, but you say no, 2. Why does he do this? Because it shows the power or uh, of, of God's holiness. The order of, of the way that the breads were sh- uh, laid out, this is the memory of the established covenant between God and man that abides within our heart where that the Israelites confirmed before God upon the mountains Now it shall be when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side of the Jordan toward the setting sun in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the plain opposite Gilgal beside the Terebinth tree of Moraine? For you will cross over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You will possess it and dwell in it. You shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I said before you today. The symbol of the pure Frankincense upon the breads is a symbol of the abiding in our heart fragrance of Christ that is confirmed by the that confirms the covenant God has made with me, uh, with man. And the result of this pure frankincense upon the breads in the heart of a man is that he will not peddle the word of God as many do amongst the nation of God, due to their ignorance and fame and greed. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2. 14 through 17. The third thing he saw was that the man uh, who, who was showing him, he went to the west and he had a measuring line in his hand. He went to the east and he had a measuring line again in his hand. And so the man, again, that was showing him the vision of the temple led him by these living waters to the depths. And in this vision, God showed to him the way, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, God will receive the proper basis to erect within our body the stronghold of life. When the man went out to the east with the line in his hand and measured one thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured one thousand and brought me through the waters, the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured one thousand and brought me through, the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured one thousand, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me. AND RETURNED ME TO THE BANK OF THE RIVER. Ezekiel forty seven three through 6 Considering that we're studying this holy allegory as the temple of our body, I'll remind us that the two streams are the movement of the faith of God that abides within our heart. That is called by the power of the Urim and Thummim to erect the stronghold of life in our body. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Hosea 13.14. In scripture the symbol of bronze as the ability to weigh yourself upon the scales of justice in order to examine your faith and judge yourself in accordance to the demands of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. The symbol of the man that had the look of bronze in whose hand was this uh, line is a symbol of our new person that has obtained the rock of the Lord, or the quality of a rock of the Lord, to examine and is examined. And so again, this person in the appearance of bronze is a person that is able to examine himself, weigh himself upon the scales of justice. Ezekiel 43 and 4. He took me there and behold there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. This couldn't be an angel, this is our new person. Because for for the angels, God did not give his life, but flax is the symbol, again, of death and resurrection. He had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. And the man said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears, and fix (coughs) your mind on everything I show you. For you were brought here so that I might show them to you. Declare to the house of Israel everything you see. Ezekiel 40. 3, 4. It's important for us to understand these things. We need to see God's work. Hear it and see it. Christ said, you will not believe if you will not see. To hear and see. And so, the flax uh, line is the ability that discovers or reveals in our heart the truth of the resurrection of Christ. Flax is a result of death that is sown in, in that is sown in death. This is that uh, plant from which you you make uh, the holy garments and are very much valued. In the period of the law of Moses, a robe from flax was holy and was a separate garment only for priests, without which they were not able to t- to enter the temple in order to approach God. This flax robe that discovers itself upon the priest is the ability to see yourself in the justification of God, in the resurrection of the Son of God, who was delivered because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification, Romans 4.25. So this measuring wreath or this line is our ability to uh, measure our own uh, focus uh, in the house of God, how much we are focusing upon the commands and the commandments of God. And so this again, uh, this flax line, which is in, in our hand, this is our new person, is the commandments and statutes that are imprinted upon the tablets of our heart and are the statutes that are given to us. And this is linked to, again, adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. 2 Corinthians 13, uh, 13, 5 and 6. And so to understand the ways of the Lord and the paths of righteousness, We will study this allegory further, but probably in the next service. I trust that removing uh, first, a first, big portion of the first part uh, of, of what we usually go through, I thought we'd make it, but we haven't. I think we need to study it in more depth so that we can fully understand it uh, because God wants it to become our own so that... In our mind, we understand the temple, how we need to be before God so that the Holy Spirit can destroy by my confessions the stronghold of death and drive out the old person. Lead me into the liberty of Christ and erect the stronghold of life here on earth in me. Let us bend our knees and pray and all those who desire to resist any fear any accusation of the devil that says this is not for you and you will never achieve this. As soon as you hear these kinds of thoughts, it's from the devil, he is a liar, don't believe him, you can because everything that God says to you and me together with you, we can. Amen. Let us pray and may the Lord bless us. We wait for you. I will ask you to pray with me and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. I confess my sins. I confess my dependence from the old person. I hate this dependence. I suffer from it. I struggle. I pray, deliver me from my old person. Deliver me from my enemy that is stronger than I. I believe in your word. I believe in your truth. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Hear me deliver me from my shame wash my sins away draw me up upon this rock that i cannot reach erect in me the stronghold of life that i've received by faith into my heart and carry it as something very sacred to me i thank you for this holy thing in jesus christ And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face, And show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all of the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is the God who is vigilant over his word in the temple of our body so that this word be fulfilled. For there is nothing that God cannot fulfill. Every single word, every single letter he will fulfill, keep what you hear in your heart by confessing it with your mouth so that God can take these confessions and keep you until the time when he will do the great work in you and will deliver you from your old person and will erect the stronghold of life in you. And this will be your guarantee to meet the Lord in the air. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation.